Some of that honky-tonk music this morning. All right. You ever turn your Bible? I thought I was going to sing the Chattahoochee when you first started. That's what it sounded like. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Philippians, the book of Philippians chapter 4, we'll be beginning with verse number 10 uh, this morning. We come to uh, Thanksgiving, usually uh, sets forth the beginning of a, a great holiday season where we enjoy time with family and uh, enjoy some great things. It's always uh, a good time, as, and, and as we come together at this time of uh, Thanksgiving to, uh, to remember the things that we're, we're thankful for, it's usually a joyous time, but there's a... Uh, there's a problem going on right now, though. It's that uh, it's the time of Thanksgiving, but uh, everybody's miserable. You notice that? It just seems that everybody's miserable, and uh, and I went, and you wonder why everybody's miserable. And uh, we all know why everybody's miserable, and the reason why we're all miserable is cause uh, inflation, right? We're all miserable for inflation. And I'm not going to talk. I'm not talking about the inflation, like what your belly's going to do here in about an hour when we go down to eat. But uh, I'm talking about the inflation. We all know that the prices of everything are, are going up. I tell you what, this past year has pretty much turned me into my grandparents, you know, because, uh, you know, you talk about a, a dollar, and they'll say, you know, when something was a dollar, they thought that was a lot of, mon- uh, a lot of money. And they'll say, a dollar? You know, I used to be able to pay my rent and still get a sack full of crystals with a dollar, you know, and, uh, and that would just be that impression. It's pretty much turned me into that because everything is just going up so high, and it just kind of makes you angry every time you go into the store because uh, you look every time you go, and just the prices are higher and higher, and it just kind of makes you miserable, doesn't it? And uh, we're also miserable because, you know, we, we've kind of over the, the last few weeks and the last few months, we've really started to see uh, what's really the heart of the people the common people, the everyday people here in this nation. And we used to thought it was just, uh, you know, these people over there that were trying to push a country in a, in a certain direction. But, you know, the more and more we see and the more and more surveys are taken, the more and the more votes there are, we really get to see the darkness that has invaded the heart of the people around us. And we get to see not uh, that the influence of, of Christ and the influence of those things that, that we used to hold dear, that we see them just very, very quickly slip away, and it makes us miserable, doesn't it? And then we turn uh, on the news. You know, we uh, were, were thinking a couple of years ago that the whole world was just going to come together and we were going to sing. I remember there was like this uh, Coke commercial, you know, back in the 90s, and there was just like all people of every race and, uh, you know, uh, nationality, and uh, they were uh, on, uh, on, on top of a mountain, and they all had coke in their hand, and they were all singing and swaying together, going to teach the world to sing, because we all thought the world was coming together. But then in just a flink of an eye, you see it was just an illusion, and there's fragmentation, and there's division, and there's wars, and there's rumors of wars, and it just kind of makes you miserable, doesn't it? And so everybody's miserable. But we as believers need to have joy in our heart. So I want us to rejoin that joy because these times of we see the misery of the world, it causes us to reflect on what truly brings us joy, what truly our hope really is. And if you're in this time of season, and you see all these things happen around you, and it just makes you miserable, what it shows in our hearts and our life that we have been putting our hope in the wrong places 
in the wrong thing. So I want to give us good news this morning. All right, we're moving out of the misery this morning. And the word of hope that I want to give to you this morning is that we're going to be all right. Now, I didn't say the economy was going to be all right. I didn't say the nation was going to be all right. I didn't say the world was going to be all right. I said that we're going to be all right as God's people, as to the people of Christ. And Paul has a message, a message for us that in these times that make us so miserable to remember what truth and what hope we really should have in our heart. So listen to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Let's begin with verse number 10 where it says this, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, for now at length you have, revealed, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation to be content. I know, that to be, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your word, especially, Lord, during the times and seasons, Lord, where it just seems everything is so miserable. Lord, when it seems like the whole world is crashing down around us, and Lord, not just only on the great cosmic things that we may talk about like inflation and world struggles and national struggles, but Lord, just in our hearts, in our own personal lives, everything around us just seems maybe to be collapsing. But Lord, I pray as we read these and talk about these words for just a few moments this morning, Lord, that we realize, Lord, that you are there with us. And Lord, you're the one who strengthened us to get through whatever we face in life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In the book of Philippians, he sent it after the church there in Philippi had sent an offering by way of a man named Epiphorius. And he'll no longer be called Epiphorius this morning. He'll be called Ed, all right? Ed sent uh, by them, uh, they sent Ed to send the offering there to Paul. And Paul was wanting to write them a letter. And the write is very upbeat and it's very encouraging. And the thing that we need to remember about this letter that is so encouraging and so full of joy and so upbeat is that it was written in prison. It was written in a time of uncertainty in Paul's life, but he was encouraged. He wanted the people to know that he had joy in his heart and what truly to be thankful for. And so what could a person sitting in prison, what could possibly be a source of joy in his heart, in his life? Well, first of all, he tells us that he had a contribution that he had an offering that was sent by the church of Philippi. And he speaks of this offering, not saying, hey, thanks, guys, I needed the money. You know, thanks for getting, uh, you know, how you're, the kids and the grandkids sometimes, buddy, that's the only time you hear from them, right? Hey, Daddy, I need some money. And that's the only time you're ever going to hear from them, you send money. And, uh, but anyway, but Paul was excited because of what that offering meant. And what that offering meant to them, meant to Paul was that they were, at, they were actually thinking about him, that they were actually thinking about Paul. And what a great time it is 
for when uh, we face situations in our life, when we're going through hard times and we're kind of down, when we get a card from somebody, or we get a card, uh, a call from somebody, or we get a little gift from somebody, just to let them know that they are thinking about us, that they are praying for us, that they are caring for us. And you just think about what joy that brings. And so it really wasn't about the money. And as a matter of fact, when Paul gives a great uh, discussion about what it means to give in 2 Corinthians. He goes through several chapters in 6, 7, 8, 9, talking about what really happens when we give. What happens when we actually show generosity to other people, not just in giving to the church, not just in giving through the church, but the things that we may give to individuals that we see in need, words that we may say to people who give hope. And he talks about how much abundance in the joy of God that that brings. And he first would talk about what the joy it brings to the one who receives it. If you give someone a gift, they're going to be excited. They're going to be giving praise to God. If you help someone with their groceries, if you give them a little money because you know that they're in need, they're going to see that buddy and they're going to get Pentecostal on you. They're going to say that Jesus has seen them. They're going to praise the Lord. And it doesn't matter if they're an atheist. It doesn't matter what, because in that they'll receive that and say that somebody took notice of my need, and they'll give glory to God. And also, it gives glory to the giver because it makes us feel good when we give. Now, we love to get, and I love to get, and it's coming Christmas time, and I hope I'm on all y'all's list, but that's okay. But, uh, but anyway, it, it feels good to, to, uh, to give. That sense that you have actually let go and got off your wallet, had put aside of any... Uh, of uncertainty, that, that you step out, step out, and you actually gave, and it gives you a good feeling. And so Paul got excited because he received a gift, and Paul got ex, uh, excited because he knew that, uh, that the people would get a blessing from it, and that would make them feel encouraging that they were being a part of that ministry, but he was also giving, uh, giving glory to God in the sense that they would actually get a reward from it. So the Lord sees the things that we do in his name, and he will reward us for it. Maybe not in this life, but certainly in the life of come. Now, you can uh, give me $20, and I can promise you to pay the back, and you may see that $20 again, or you may not. But we know that the Lord is true, and the Lord can keep his promises. And so Paul was joyous even his time of struggle there in prison because people had concern from him to the point where they gave to his ministry and helped supply his need. But he also had this C word that I almost had and had to get an encyclopedia out to figure out what that was because I don't really know that much about it, is that Paul had contentment in his life. Man, it's just so hard to be content here in this country, isn't it? It's so hard to be content around here because everything around us convinces us that our greatest needs can be found in things. And not only just found in things, but also found in greater things. The greater things, if I have, uh, if I have a small truck and that small truck makes me happy, just think about how much a big truck's gonna make me happy. And then once we get that big truck, that big truck makes us happy, except on those times we had to send a note in. 
But just imagine if this big truck makes us happy, just imagine how much a big truck pulling a boat's going to make us happy. Contentment is hard for us. We always want the upgrade. We think that we have uh, nice things. We think we have things that make us happy. And then I look down at Brother Jerry, and I see all the stuff that he has, and he's like, man, I ain't got nothing. <laughs> and we see what everybody else is, and we start wanting what they have. And so we lose the joy of even the things that we have because we start thinking about what we don't have. But Paul says, I have found a way to be content. Now, content is different from complacency because when we're complacent, that means we're just okay with where we are. We're just saying, hey, I've just gone far enough and I don't want to go any further. And the gospel and Jesus doesn't want us to be complacent wherever we are. He always wants us to grow. And so wherever you are and with your walk with God, he's going to want you to grow. He doesn't want you to be complacent with how much you're doing and how much you're giving or what you're actually accomplishing. But he wants you to, to strive to do more. He wants you to strive to grow in your place. But he, he, so he doesn't want you to be complacent, but he wants us to learn to be content. And what does that mean? Well, Paul tells us what it means. He says, I know what it means to be brought high, and I know what it means to be brought low. So regardless of whether I'm high, regardless of whether I'm low, I have found the way to survive in those particular situations. I know what it means to have plenty to eat. I know what it means to have nothing to eat. I know what it means to have plenty of a thing, and I know what it means to have none of a thing. And I found a way to be content. I found a way to be satisfied. I have found a way to not let the lack or the abundance move like a scale to encourage my happiness or my joy. I've come out of the position where when I think when I have a lot of things, I talk about how the Lord is blessing me, but yet when I don't have the things that I want, I get down and I just get miserable. And I walked around drooping. He's found the secret. Man, what's a secret? Because this is a question that we've been uh, struggling with for a long time. If you remember in Proverbs chapter 30, there was the king uh, uh, Agar, and uh, he wrote uh, a couple of verses there in chapter 30. And in one of the, the encounters, he talked about there's two things. There's two things that I want the Lord to give me in my life. There's two things that I want the Lord to do for me. And the first thing he says, I want the Lord, I want to have all the falseness and I want to have all the lies removed away from me. And that's a good thing. I like that. I like all the falsehoods, and I like all the lies, and I like all the false people, and I like all the fake people, and I want the liar people. I like the, the, them to just be away from me so I wouldn't have to deal with them. But he also had a second request. He said, I want you to give me just enough. I want you to give me my daily bread. I don't want you to give me too much because when I get too much, I'll start depending on that thing, and I'll start walking away from God. He says, and I don't want you to give me too little, because if I get too little, my heart starts getting covenant, 
and I want to steal. I want to curse God. So, Lord, I just want you to give me just enough. See, King Agar didn't understand commitment. I mean, uh, didn't understand contentment. He didn't know how to survive in the highs and lows. He said, I just want you to give me just enough. I just want you to give me the, requ- the requisite. And too much uh, of us, that describes us. When we have plenty, we start moving away from God. When we have plenty, we start thinking, hey, we got this all on ourselves. When we have plenty, we start getting arrogant. And that's why so many people don't come to church anymore because they have enough. They have all their stuff. And they're out there singing, enjoying all their stuff thinking that they don't need God, thinking that they don't need help. Because I've got money and because I have possessions, I don't need God. And that's the heart of all of us. The more we have, the more we depend on those things, and the more we draw ourselves away from God. But then we kind of get low. We kind of get low. And when we get low, and I'm not talking about just having enough to eat. I'm not just talking about when I get down, there's think of what I think I need in my life, and everybody has that, that measure. And there's different things on everybody's line, but there's like, you know, what I expect in my life, the things that I expect, you know, the money I think I need, the food that I think I need, the relationships I think, and I got that line. And buddy, when I start, start sinking below that line, my heart starts to change. I start crying and throwing a pity party. God don't love me. I must have done something wrong. I'm being persecuted. And we get down in those low spots. And we think that God's forgotten about us. And when we think God has forgotten about us, we start taking things in our own hands. And I don't know about you, but when I take things in my own hands, it doesn't turn out too good. I usually wind up breaking more than I fix. But isn't it interesting that even though that's someone who has plenty and someone who doesn't have enough, someone who's on the high and someone who's on the low, they wind up in the same place, and that's turning away from God. But Paul said, I found a secret. I know how to be high. I know how to be low. So what is his secret? What is his secret? Well, his secret is this. Paul understood that life is just like that, right? Life is a roller coaster. And it goes up and it goes down. We'd like it to kind of just stay level, maybe a little little like this. But man, life's crazy, right? It goes up and it goes down. And it goes up, and then it does that, that little tilt, spin around, come around here. I mean, life is crazy. And he wants us to understand what he understood, that it's up and down as my life on this world has been. There has been a constant. And what has been the constant in Paul's life? And that is Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says. Here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. 
Now, a lot of us read this verse, and a lot of times you'll see it. Uh, a lot of athletes talk about it because they assume in their heart that it means that I can just do whatever I set my mind to, that the Lord will bless whatever I set my mind to, whatever goal I have set I can reach because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But let's look at it at what Paul has been teaching us. He's been teaching us, hey, that sometimes life is high, sometimes life is low, but I have found contentment. And what is my contentment is that regardless of whether I have or regardless of whether I don't, regardless if life is up, regardless if life is down, I can make it. Not because I have the strength to make it, but because I have Jesus Christ in my life. And that's what we need to understand. That as life seems to go up and down in our lives, as life seems to go sideways, as the nation seems to go sideways, as the economy seems to go down and hopefully up again, we can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so regardless of what situation we find ourselves are, we find ourselves, Paul, thinking about to what the Lord, one of the first things that the Lord taught us as disciples there on the Sermon on the Mount. And let's listen to what he tells to us in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to begin with verse number 31. Remember, he's talked about the, the lilies and the trees and the birds and the sticks and the things like that. But then he says this, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And listen to this. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Paul knew that regardless of what faced in life, that he didn't go through this life alone. But he had a heavenly father. Not just a sphere, not just a power, not just a thing that was above us ruling the, uh, ruling the cosmos, but a heavenly father. And that heavenly father loved him just like he loves you. And he knew him just like he knows you. And he knows what you need. Regardless of what emptiness that you're feeling in your heart and your life this morning, the Lord knows you need it. And the Lord makes a promise to us as our Heavenly Father is that if we will seek first His kingdom, in other words, if we keep our eyes focused on what the Lord has called us to do and how He's called us to live, not taking matters into our own hands, if we seek first his kingdom, then he will, all those things will be added unto us. He knows we need food. He knows we need clothes. He knows we need a place to stay. He knows we need people around us who love us and care for us. And the Lord says, hey, sometimes I know you go through life and it feels like you don't have those things. And you feel like no one cares about you or no one's paying attention to you. But your Heavenly Father sees you and He knows you need those things. In those times when we get high, 
when we start riding high and mighty, thinking we got it all figured out because we got all of our stuff. Man, that's when something comes along and the Lord brings us low, huh? You know, I know most of us have experience to know what it's like to go through those times of want and need. But not many of us know the difficulties of what it's like to go through having an overabundance of things. I know I'd like to try to see if I can handle it. But that's tough too, because in all those times we seem to get lost and we seem to lose our focus on the Lord. And so even after we would just like the Lord to give us our daily allowance so that we won't get too high or we won't get too low, the Lord says, you know what, life's still going to be like that. But you can find contentment that knowing in all the uncertainty of your life, there is a constant. And that is Jesus Christ giving you strength to live our, your life. So let's not be anxious about today. Let's not be anxious about tomorrow. Let's not be anxious about the economy. Let's not be anxious about the nation. Let's not be anxious about the world. But let's seek first the kingdom of God, and allow him to strengthen us and to proceed forth with what he called us to do. And the last thing that Jesus had told him, he says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow be anxious about itself. Sufficient is the day with its own trouble. Isn't that something that Jesus tells us every day comes with its own trouble? There's something that's going to happen today that's going to test your faith. There's something that's going to happen today that's going to, to challenge what you believe. But we go and we face today knowing that whether it's a high, whether it's a low, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's pray. And Father, we're so grateful, Lord, for all the things that you've blessed us with. Lord, sometimes we get so caught up, Lord, wanting more, having dreams, that we forget to be thankful for what we have. And so, Lord, we just come to you this morning just thanking you for all the things that you've blessed us with. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for the ones around us who love us. And thank you for the way that you've worked in our lives. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, as we hear these words of Paul this morning, Lord, that we learn to be content, that we've learned to take what you've given us and realize that you are the constant in our life, and that we need to not be afraid or scared of anything that we face in life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.